Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing all right as well. I'm excited to get part two of our final podcast before the NBA Draft going. This, you know, in, in, in part one, we discussed our general philosophies, um, began to discuss um the some general ideas and concepts surrounding the 2020 NBA draft and we're going to continue to do that and get more in depth to into the draft and the players itself as we continue here. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, same note at the top. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, November 13th. Uh, so if any big transactions happen, we are unaware. Um, and check out the live broadcast on Wednesday during the draft. Yeah. Um, okay, Ben. So in light of the strengths and weaknesses that we discussed in part one, um, who would you say benefits from from this structure of this year's draft? I think, um, first, first of all, I think we talk about good teams um, we talked about the main strength uh, of this draft being high-level complementary talents, prospects that scale up to to rosters with ball-dominant creators and and high-end stars, and good teams, you know, good teams who need these these last few scalable pieces, um, are going to benefit greatly. Um, you know, in and that couples with you know, kind of everyone in like the mid first. I think these two go hand in hand. Is there just are a lot of good teams in that mid first in that you know mid first range? Um, from like you know as early as ten, you know, you have Phoenix and you have New Orleans with with high end stars. Um, you have Portland and then you have Boston and Brooklyn and Dallas and Miami. You have teams that you know have these franchise changing stars that can lead you to a title, but you know maybe you know especially as you go up that list, lack the, the 
the high-end complimentary talent. So this is where prospects like like Tyrese Maxey and Patrick Williams and Cole Anthony, who are falling down boards for for for, for whatever reason, um, are going to have a chance to to make a real impact um, because they're falling into a context where they're likely to hit a high-end outcome. Because, again, we talked about this, like someone like Maxi wouldn't be overextended and asked to do primary creation if he landed on a team like New Orleans or Phoenix or Boston. Um, whereas, you know, if he landed on a team like Charlotte or, or or like Cleveland or something, then he probably would be asked to do more primary creation higher in the draft. So th- those are like, that's the main beneficiary to me of the, of the, the glut of complimentary talent is these, these good teams picking in the mid first range are going to have some real values and, you know, potentially land some real, real pieces that can, that can move them towards title contention in the near future. Yeah. I think that um, it, tying in with that teams that are very self-aware um, I think are going to benefit a lot because you have such guys, so many guys that are so context dependent Um so if you're a team that is very confident in your strength and conditioning program, like Isaiah Joe should be very high for you and almost certainly higher than he will actually go. And that therefore represents a, a pretty strong value opportunity for, for you. Um, you know, if you're a team that has a, a very motion heavy offense with a, with a jumbo initiator who, uh, you know, can, can get Tyrell Terry involved as a, as a movement shooter, um, Again, he's going to be more valuable to you than than to other teams, and possibly more valuable than than what it's going to cost to get him. Uh, you know, if you if you're a team that that has confidence in your shooting development, Josh Green is going to be more valuable to you. Uh, so, team teams that have a really good understanding of their organizational competencies are going to be at a huge advantage in a draft that is so so context dependent. Um, and just like team teams that are really well equipped with a developmental plan for these guys are going to uh, have like a a huge leg up on, on, uh, on other teams. Yeah. I think it's key with this draft is you just have to go in with a plan for a lot of these prospects. Uh, I mean, the concept of a plug and play prospect is always overused and misused, but even in this draft, less so like prospects like, like Alexi Pokusevsky and Tyrese Halliburton, like you said, and Josh Green and Tyrell Terry and Isaiah Joe, and they, they're not an Aaron Neesmith, like they're not plug and play. You have to have plans, not only for their deployment, but, but for their development as well. Um, so, so again, like good, smart teams, um, you know, I mean, good, smart teams always stand to benefit from taking advantage of, of less competent front offices, but especially in this draft when there just isn't as much talent in general and the talent that there is needs specific contexts and usages to be maximized. Um, so moving on to uh, strategy for approaching this draft, um, where do you think the, the value lies Uh in terms of in terms of taking advantage of, of it's, it seems what what perceptions of, of uh, this class are, I think the the first thing that you have to mention is trading down, which is always mentioned with, with this draft. Especially um, the issue with trading down is that if every team is looking to trade down, then it's hard to find a partner to move up. But there there are always teams for reasons looking to move up. You know, in in three team trades with stars involved. So you know that that's what we talked about for. For teams, um, a team like Golden State, who has their star power in place um, pretty comfortably, but really lacks complementary talent and ancillary pieces, 
Um, taking someone like a Danny Avdia at two overall, while he's an excellent fit for their roster and for what they need, is probably not good value, at least by by my evaluation of him as a prospect. Some some might disagree with that, but by my evaluation, that's a poor pick just because he doesn't generate the impact and the value that a number two pick does. But if you can, you know, take advantage of a team who really likes a player or wants a certain archetype and is willing to trade up for them, uh, you know, a team like the Warriors can move back into like the seven, eight, nine range. Um, and even if Denny falls out, they can get a prospect like Patrick Williams or maybe Devin Vassell. Um, who fits that complementary wing forward role uh, really swimmingly. So that's that, That's kind of the main, I think, point that, that has to be mentioned is that teams who can trade down like from the top, good teams that, you know, going hand in hand with what we just talked about, good teams that need those complementary pieces, taking advantage of maybe some bad teams that need um, some of the more scarce options in this draft, like a Lamelo Ball really, or, you know, so, some teams will perceive James Wiseman or Obi Toppin uh, as this, you know, franchise changing piece or even Tyree Halliburton with some teams. So um, the teams that understand what these prospects are and can, you know, use trades effectively um, are, are going to have a big advantage. On the flip side, I think that there might actually be value in trading up given how many teams seem to want to trade back. Um, especially again, if, if you're a team that's well equipped to it, to extract value out of someone that, that, um, might be less valuable in other contexts. Like I, I wouldn't trade up for Tyrese Halberton, but I, I, I could certainly see a case for a hypothetical perfect uh, situation in which you you would do that and it would be worthwhile. Uh, I mean, if you're the Celtics, like trading up for Onyeka Kongwu as a, as a guy who's who's a ceiling raising uh, big who who can maintain his value into um, high leverage situations definitely makes sense. So I think that there's a lot of potential for that if everyone wants to trade back that the price to trade up will actually be reasonable for once. Um, you know, if, I mean, if you could, if you could trade up in this draft, uh, mimicking that, that Dario trade from last year and kind of avoid giving up future picks. Cause I would not give up future picks in a trade up, at least not ones that protect me good. Yeah. I mean, especially um, just given the quality of the next couple drafts. Exactly. <laughs> Do not give up first round future first in this draft that, pro- that project to be good. A, a heavily protected, um, one that are by a, by a very good team, I don't have much of a problem with. Uh, but do not put yourself in a situation where you're going to miss out on Cade or BJ Boston or Zaire Williams, Evan Mobley, uh, or the year after AJ Griffin, Paolo, Chet. Don't do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that there there very well may actually be value in trading up. Um, but uh, be yeah. careful, as always. With I mean, even a couple spots. Like I, I mean, like we talked about with like the Warriors. Like your idea from our mailbag of like a Warriors Bulls trade, where, where the where the Bulls give up like like a solid complimentary piece in Thad Young and like a, a second rounder to move up and you know get a guy like maybe they they can land Lamelo who would be really you know really additive and, and helpful for that team. Um, there's there's definitely some value in that. Like if you can you know get. A, a, you know, trade up that trade up for cheaper than you'd normally be trade up with teams being so desperate to move down and out if they're just so unenthused with the talent at the top. Yeah. Um, so uh, otherwise, the the thing that we've that we've addressed a few times already, the, the idea of waiting on guards, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, I check out best plays. Again, keep plugging that because I think it's very relevant to the idea of thinking about a board. Um, but yeah, I, like I would, I would certainly invest in in Malachi Flynn uh, in that late first range. But otherwise, definitely want to be waiting on a guard. 
not not gonna pay significantly more for Nico Mannion than Cassius Winston yeah. or Tyrell Terry or whatever it may be. And then again, I mean on the on the flip side, like maybe it's also worth trying to trade up for a wing like like Isaac Okoro or Devin Vassell if if they slip a little bit. Um because that is just such a scarce uh you know a, a scare a scarce archetype of, of player that they're just start almost none in that in this draft well i mean like, like we say there's a coral and Vassell and like josh green for a defensive wing so maybe if, if you can create if a good team can create a trade-up without giving up too much in terms of future assets um that 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 could be that could be a useful thing as well all right should we move on to providing some context with with drafts uh past and future yeah um let's do that so i think this draft as we've kind of talked about is you know a, a weak draft um by by every by every standard i think we we've talked about the strengths and weaknesses partly on this and last episode but just with a, with a lack of high-end talent um th- that this draft pales in comparison to a lot i think the the easy place to start is comparing it to last year to, to 2019 where um it was 2019 was also kind of labeled as, as a weaker draft by many but the saving grace of, of 2019 um was that there was zion williamson there who is a generational prospect and was you know flawed but incredibly good as a rookie in, in, in his limited time um and you know looks like he has that genuine franchise changing ceiling which is huge because that you know that this the value of that number one pick is so much stronger than like any asset related to this draft um, and that, you know, has implications for team building and how other teams trade and, and navigate the draft. And, and even beyond that in 2019, I think there are more, um, there are plenty of value, valuable complimentary pieces. Like there aren't really, there isn't really like a Brandon Clark or, or a Grant Williams in this draft. I mean, you have like your prototype, like Xavier Tillman, but I think there, he's like a level, like quite a bit below, you know, Clark or, or Williams, the prospect. Um, I think you even accounted for someone like John Morant, who kind of, broke out as a rookie um i think i and you and quite a few other people probably overlooked a little bit but he he was like a genuine guard with star tools um beyond like the, the feel and playmaking he he has the advantage creation um and the tools to apply that so just definitely a weaker draft than, than 2019 as a starting point yeah and i mean addressing future drafts it's far weaker than um 2021 uh because 2021 has that one elite franchise changing talent in Cade Cunningham it has then a bunch of worthwhile creator bets after that um and I think that that's definitely a much more normal uh structure of a a high-end portion of a draft um whereas this year yeah the, the just lack of top end talent is is um abnormal and and uh not what you would expect from, from a draft, not what you would hope for from a draft. Um, so definitely sandwiched in between far superior drafts, even though 2019 itself had had flaws. Yeah, and I think that definitely does play in a little bit for some teams. Um, like we've talked about the strategy for uh, a team like the Knicks, who probably aren't going to be in a place to get that. You know, they landed out of the, the range of someone like LaMelo and could land Killian Hayes, but there's also a chance he goes ahead. Uh, in that case, um, you know, it might be best for a team like the Knicks who desperately need that franchise changing star to just load up on complimentary pieces and hope they're, you know, expect to be bad enough next year to where they can, you know, 
hopefully get lucky and land a Cade Cunningham or get, you know, land a Brandon Boston or Jonathan Kaminga or like swing for a Jalen Green or, or, or Zaire Williams or one of the many like really high level prospects next year. I mean, and that like does extend to, you know, the year after where there's AJ Griffin and Paolo Banquero, um, but who are, you know, prospects who can be really high level wing creators and big creators. So, yeah, I mean, just um, I think understanding that like this draft is really going to be about getting complimentary pieces. Like that's, that's the name of this draft for most teams, I think is getting the, getting the ancillary pieces and the complimentary pieces that set you up for the future. Even if those, you know, aren't the pieces that most you know, don't, don't push you in, in, in the right direction most strongly, but pieces that you're going to need for the future, even if they don't help you very much right now. Yeah. It's getting ceiling raising guys who, who aren't going to necessarily raise the floor that much but aren't going to restrict the ceiling. Like, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, maybe Anthony Edwards is a good enough self creator that, that he lifts you to uh, 40 wins or something like that. But uh, you know, if, if his decision-making and defense are so detrimental that they're constraining your ceiling uh, you know, maybe it's better to opt for someone who's, who's not going to get you those 40 wins, but once you have BJ Boston in place, this guy's going to get you from, you know, 47 to, 52 or something like that, you know, a, a much more meaningful, full increase in, um, in uh, contention. Uh, how do you think that the sort of mid first complimentary guys compare to last year's? Cause there were a bunch of, of interesting guys in, in that range too. Last year, I think what, what last year had this year doesn't have is a couple of guys uh, more in that mid mid uh mid first like late lottery range who had some more like fringy creator upside i think that there were you know you had like kevin yeah, and, like taylor horton tucker yeah you had you had that sort yeah of i think yeah it's just like a different and i think they're also more useful bigs as well um just in that range i mean jackson hayes uh goga batadze and then we already talked mentioned you know grant williams and, and brandon clark um jonte porter of course um injuries uh bull bull even in that range like there were a lot of useful bigs even if again like beyond zion not that star big man but it just like in, in the top 20 lottery range alone there were a lot of useful useful um bigs i think that the complimentary guard depth is certainly much more of a strength this year um as i, I think john morant has has shown that he's more than that um, in his rookie year and smart people, I think there were some smart people who, who did identify that at the time, but even then like process, you know, I think we have this group like Tyrese Maxi, um, uh, you know, Maxi being the best one to me and even, uh, Cole Anthony and Kyra Lewis. Um, I, pre- you know, I prefer, um, all of those to someone like Kobe white for sure. Um, uh, I, I know you were a Garland guy. Um, I wasn't, so, I mean, I prefer, them to like someone like garland um but yeah i mean that that's that's a strength and i think that's that's an important strength um because you know it's it's hard to get small players who aren't primaries on the floor yes but with more and more big creators and that's just that's just the way the league is trending you know especially even if you look down at these 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 future classes with all these big creator prospects that's just the way the league is going um so there's going to be a room for these small creators with shooting and off the catch attacking and finishing to succeed and i think that's the main strength that this this class that it doesn't have but again it just lacks really in like the compliment and like i think what's more important maybe is really useful um 
playoff bigs and then complimentary wings. Like obviously Culver had, you know, his, his prop had, we've talked about Culver on this podcast, but I still have some belief in him as a complimentary wing. Cam Reddish as well, I think was, was, was quite good this year. So yeah, I mean, just different strengths in terms of complimentary players. I think generally less of them. We yeah, had just the, the guards is, is the big difference. Um, do how do you feel about about this year's um, wings in comparison to last year? Um, I think the wings at the top this year actually, I, I think I, I'd be pretty similarly, honestly. Like um, as prospects, like Okoro, I think I probably like um, a little less than Culver, but with hindsight, I think I'd prefer Okoro. Um, yeah, and like Vassell, I definitely preferred to like Reddish and Hunter um, coming out. That's I think kind of pretty similar in, in terms of like top end wings because like uh, it, like at least as prospects, like I said, Culver I think I liked a lot. Um, pretty lukewarm on Reddish and was not a fan of Hunter coming in. Even someone like like Romeo Langford who I, who I liked a decent bit. So yeah, I think I like this year's wings better. Obviously, uh, I guess outside of of Culver because um, I was I was just too high on him. But but comparing you know Acoro Vassell um to to that uh like romeo cam reddish well yeah hunter i just didn't like at all yeah yeah for sure but but the hunter reddish group i mean i'm sorry the hunter the uh langford reddish Reddish group of of sort of 10 to 20 wings uh that i kind of liked i think i definitely prefer a coro and vassell um for sure yeah so i i think that you know there there aren't that many wings but the 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 best of the class, I think, are a little bit better. And I think there's never like like most almost no classes has like a lot of complimentary, like really good wings. Um that's I think it's illustrative of how scarce good wings are in the league and why it's so important to, you know, take the good ones high and swing on the ones that could be could become something late um over, you know, guards or less valuable bigs. Yeah. The 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 lack of bigs this year is really striking when you think about even I mean last year, which which wasn't you know Zion's his own thing. What, traditional bigs that they, they weren't that exceptional, but there were some guys. Um, and then I mean, you go a year before you've got Wendell, Aiton, JJJ, um, Bagley, even like it's really yeah. kind of striking how how poor this big man class is uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, I guess another place where like this draft kind of the 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 twenty twenty draft kind of. Um, it, you know, has an upper hand is as is like the the like the complimentary four with Patrick Williams, Danny Avdia, I guess kind of Poku if you look at him like that. Like, I mean, last year there was you know obviously like like you said Zion's his own beast, but um, well there wasn't really much in terms of like these like three and rim protection complimentary fours. I mean, uh, you can throw you can throw Clark, but he's his own. Weird yeah, guy. I mean, I, I like I I would just call Clark something else. Like he's his he's, he's his big. own unique talent. I mean, there's Chumo Kiki. Who I liked it, I liked a lot coming out, but still hasn't played an NBA minute because of injury concerns. I mean, and then as you go down, like there, there's like Nasir Little, who's like very flawed, <laughs> very flawed. Like, I mean, there just really aren't any of. I mean, I, I mean, there's like Casey Paulo, who's just like not good that went high. Um, oh yeah, and like. <laughs> Oh, PJ Washington, I guess, was like the yeah. P- PJ is the one. Yeah. PJ is the he's the really good one who's probably better than any of the ones this year. I think P- PJ and Grant Williams are like yeah. the modern, like kind of inside out fours yeah. from last year. Yeah, but um, I still view them a little differently to like Pat Will and. and uh, I think PJ is honestly kind of similar. 
Yeah, I, mean, I guess so. I mean, PJ was, I think, was probably the best one, like, compared to, like, Pat Will and, and Denny. I mean, Grant, too. Yes. I, yeah, I think PJ's better than those guys. Yeah, I think uh, so as and, well. And similar. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly where Grant figures in, but he's, he's different because he's, he's much more biggie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just thought of Grant and Clark in kind of different, a different light than those two guys because they're just less straightforward, like, to me than, you know, Pat Will or Denny. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we should we get started with the actual tiers now? I was like, like one last note. I think like again, like we talked about like second round depth, like um, like even like interesting like wingy kind of gambles. Like I think there's there were definitely more last year as well. Um, like we talk about guys like I don't know like wings and useful bigs. Like even like like Nick Claxton, like Cody Martin, uh, like 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 Alan Smilagich. Um, and even as we go down, like Isaiah Roby, um, Terrence Mann, Iggy Brazdakis, like I think there were just a lot more of like interesting second second round rotation bets um, that you know that were just more useful. Yeah, I think that there were yeah there were some more second round guys that I felt passionately about, and maybe that was just a case of of like there were guys that I thought were kind of first that fell uh and i'm misremembering it but i think that there were more second rounders that i would yeah. kind of fight i'm not talking about like tht or someone yeah. who like slid all the way I'm, I'm talking about like genuine like guys who i thought were second rounders like yeah uh martin and servetus or, or like yeah. yeah like i think they were just more um interesting you know rotation bets and even going like like Keldon johnson who like seems to have turned turned into something who i wasn't a big fan of um like these these guys were they're just more of them last year yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely the case. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Prep to Pro NBA Draft podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. The Lawn Mower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Um, all right, should we, should we do these tiers now? Let's do it. Yeah, so we're not going to go through every single player. Uh, we both have 100 guys ranked. Um, that would take many, many hours. We don't have that kind of time. And I would assume that, that none of the listeners have that kind of time. Uh, we're going to go through each of our tiers, kind of talk about um, what they mean, what we expect from them. I have also kind of what, what I would invest uh, draft capital-wise in those tiers. 
Um, we will be posting these boards to Twitter, though. I, I would assume we can link them in the... Yeah, I'm the... going to have, like, I've, you know, because I found time to, like, do, like, somewhat of a write-up, so I'll have that. Okay. But... Yeah, so I, I won't have a write-up, but um, we'll have a link to our boards in the in the show notes. Um, yeah. You can you can find them on Twitter also. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably might pin them. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll probably end up pinning mine before the draft, but they'll be pretty easy to find. Um, yeah. check those out. And then I think that this, that I would sort of view this as the companion piece to, to those boards. Hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're not going to do in-depth breakdowns of every player, but give you an idea of, yeah. of what the tier yeah. means. I mean, we've done in-depth breakdowns of probably every prospect in this class twice over, um, oh, without, a pod, without a doubt. I mean, the, the pods are all timestamped. So, and you know, if you want to look for an in-depth prospect, I mean, feel free to shoot us a message on Twitter um, and we can help you find that, you know, that breakdown of a certain prospect. But yeah, th- th- this is going to be a more general overview of tiers and what they mean and some prospects that are illustrative of the tiers that they fall in. Yeah. But if, if you, if you just go through the show notes yourself, you'll, you'll find that we've talked about all of these guys many, many, many times. <laughs> yeah. that is Too what many happens. times. That is what happens when you have a 17 month draft cycle. 17 months yeah that's that's unbelievable yeah it's not great (laughs) um all right ben what is your first tier my first tier um is well i'll just say it's two guys it's lamella ball and killian hayes um defined as flawed creators um slash i guess like like create killian like also like more complimentary i think just like again as as we talked about these these flawed, these creators, these franchise-changing stars who drive championship-level offense are what you want at the top of the draft, and this draft has none of those. But LaMelo and Killing to me, are the two best bets to do that. LaMelo, first, LaMelo I think, more so just because of the, the high-end handle and the playmaking genius, and I think the touch providing shooting upside. And, uh, you know, if he improves the core strength and his frame in general, that unlocks a lot. But again, just still, like like even that being said, I have big concerns about his his scoring efficiency um, being good enough to really drive offense. But the passing, I think, is so legit. There's always going to be value. And Killian, you know, just more worries about, like, like oh, I do worry about volume, like you said. Worry about, um, yes, he has, like, the strength and the change of direction and the, and the craft. But against the, the highest level of defenses, I think, his lack of athletic tools could definitely, and his lack of a complex handle could definitely hinder him. But Killian also, I think, has, first of all, the, the all-NBA guard defense and, you know, the playmaking. And I think the can definitely learn a playoff ball to become an elite secondary guard. So that's my first tier. Um, what about you, Max? My first tier is a tier 1A of flawed creators, which is Killian, LaMelo, and Ant. Um, yeah, I think that those guys are kind of... A, at the high ends would be uh, the one B on a, on a contending team. So you would need another guy who is approximately as good and ideally a little bit more impactful. Uh, I'm totally fine taking any of these three guys in the top three of this year's draft. Um, I think that that would be pretty worthwhile. Um, so yeah, LaMelo, I, I have just concerns about scoring efficiency ever being there for himself. Uh, we'll see what happens with his core strength and balance, how that impacts his ability to finish, to take contact at the rim, to be efficient as a jump shooter. Uh, I think that that's where a lot of his mechanical issues as a jump shooter stem from. Um, so so we'll see if he can address that. And 
and uh, you know reach a level of, of efficiency as a as a scorer that I think is necessary to really be that sort of heliocentric offensive player. Defensively, um, you know, he's a guy that I think probably limits you by virtue of his on-ball defense, which I think will always be a problem from an effort standpoint, strength, uh, just technique and navigating screens. Off the ball, yes, he can he can play make, but uh, I think he take, he makes a lot of bad gambles. I still think he has a ton of issues with positioning. Like a lot of his really good rotations are awesome. Like it's cool that he that he gets there, uh, has the mobility to do it after he sees it. But like they would not really be necessary if he were just better positioned. Um, so I think he's got a long way to go in terms of learning how to play NBA defense. I see the argument that that's a that's a source of of uh, upside for him, but. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a little skeptical uh, for sure. And then Achillian, tr- you know, trust him less to consistently create advantages. Uh, we'll probably need to be in, in an offense that, um, you know, a lot of different guys are getting ball handling looks and he can get the ball in situations where he's already attacking somewhat of a, of a tilt defense, but he still, I think has significant equity to, to just handle out of pick and roll himself. Uh, you know, you might need a little bit more trickery to, to set the floor up for him to, say, get going to his left as opposed to his right. But, uh, you know, br- brilliant pick-and-roll player, uh, incredibly smart, high-value off- and on-ball defender. I think kind of the perfect 1B alongside another guy who can who can really self-create. Um, Killian can be the guy who's sort of who's orchestrating everything. Uh, and he would especially benefit from not being – uh, stuck with the the best um, perimeter defender on the other team. If if you need someone to to be lashed onto to another guard or wing, uh, I think that would benefit him a lot. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess we should we should address. Ant. I was going to say, yeah, we should address. You know, I, I think you Ant is in my second tier, which we'll get to in a second. But he's in your one A. Um, I don't have a one A or a one B. I just have what. Well, yeah, I have tier gaps later down, but not for tier one. So why don't you get into Ant and why he makes your tier one? Sure. So I think that um, Ant is kind of the compliment you'd be you'd want to Killian. That you know Killian will be um, maybe maybe your, your primary ball handler, but he won't necessarily be relied upon to finish the the number of plays that you. Are necessarily expecting from um, the, the absolute top end offensive creators, and that then when you get into different defensive situations, where if you're if you're going up against a an all wing switch everything unit, um, you know you have Ant Edwards then who would be able to uh, to sort of self create out of nothing uh, at all times. Um, but yeah, I think that Ant has that self creation ability. Uh, you're probably not going to want the ball in his hands too much on account of his decision-making issues. But what, what, um, what makes me more confident in him as a, as a sort of one B type guy is that uh, I really like him as an off ball player, that he has such a powerful cutter um, that he, you know, if you get him attacking downhill and force him to actually start going toward the rim, uh, he's just such a powerful finisher with both hands with incredible contortion and balance and vertical ability uh and um ambidexterity uh that he does have some some passing that uh i think is is interesting in the in those situations as well like as as an interior passer um that yeah i think that that ant just he brings a lot as an off-ball scorer while also having that uh self-creation ability to fall back on 
Uh, so I think that he kind of fits into that group of of one uh, B on a on a great yeah. team. I've got him at the top of my second tier, which we'll get into um, because just because I view him as more complimentary and I have more worries about just the decision making. And I just really worry about that wiring. And, that, and that's not to mention the defense, um, which he definitely has the tools to be a, you know, a good on ball defender. But I, I'm, I'm skeptical of the team defense ever being there. But, you know, since I think my, t- my tiers are less firm than you, like I'd be OK with the team taking amp above you know Lamelo or Killian if, if the situation is right like I, I've said that I would take Ant for Golden State as you know my top option plenty of times despite me having a tier below these these prospects so I guess like a little different there because of our viewing on tiers and just I, I have more concerns with Ant as you know really that 1B instead of maybe like a 2A I think is more of, of his ideal role but I, I mean I still view him as a very good prospect a flawed prospect with um, plenty of upside and, and scoring talent and potential, but just not enough to make the first tier uh, for me with Lamelo and Killian. All right, so what's what's your second tier then? My second tier is um, elite complementary pieces slash like high upside complementary swings. Um, so that would be um, should I name them or? Uh no, I don't think it's yeah. Necessary. I don't need a name. It's like like this is where like your Coros, the cells fall like that that type for me. Like those we, we've talked about the complementary talent, the the best of the complementary pieces to me with a little bit of self creation upside on the tail end. Like I think someone like lower down like like Hyra Lewis is like or Arja Hampton is more fun to, or Patrick Williams doesn't really have the the ceiling that someone like uh, a Vassell or a Coro has as, you know, an offensive creator. And it's, you know, with those two being so gifted, you know, just different levels defensively. Um, And then, like I said, this is where someone like Anthony Edwards falls. And then I have like, I think the main reason I delineate, you know, like high upside swings is because I have Poku at the end of this tier, who I definitely view as like, like like a less traditional complimentary piece because um I, he's just so far away from really contributing and you know i think just with someone you know as young as him as as he as big as him as as skilled and intelligent as him but also as flawed as, as poku that it's hard to really know what his impact as a complimentary looks like i can definitely like idealize what i think it should look like like i think as like a gunning wing type who you know takes off movement threes and runs secondary pick and rolls um, all, all the time and is monster in transition. Like that's, I think, you know, looking through um, kind of a narrow lens at what he is now, like what I think he could be. But with someone like Poku, like, I, I acknowledge that his development could unfold in ways that I don't expect. Um, so that's why I kind of have him above other prospects um, out of this tier. And in, in, the, in this tier with the elite complementary talents, even if I don't believe he's, you know, really all that analogous to them. Yeah, he's going to be in a lower tier for me, but um, I think that he fits the mold of elite complementary talent. As like you said, a, a gunner off the move who's a team yeah. playmaker. Um, I think he fits that mold, uh, but he's not going to be in this tier for me. My second tier is a tier one B, which is elite complementary complementary talents. I view their high end outcomes as uh, decidedly not primary uh, creators. They're going to be a two or two B. On a, on a contending team. Uh, I think you'll never have an argument that this guy is the primary ball handler on his team, but I think they're so good at that, at that secondary role that uh, in a perfect scenario, like if you're golden state, um, I could, I could certainly see a case for, for reaching down to this tier to, um, to, to bypass those tier one, a guys. So I said in an optimal context, I would take these guys in the top three, but I'm definitely comfortable taking them all in the top seven. Um, I think that the 
the toughest inclusion for me was the guy who's last in this tier for me uh, in Onyeka Kongwu, just because I think that I sort of had to add the these guys would be two Bs on a great team qualifier for Onyeka. Uh, like I think if he's the, if he has a case for being your your second best player, but is not clearly your second best player, you could be a very good team. But uh, you know anything more than that, I'm a little questionable because I think you're probably looking at a guy who again has has a case for being your your best or most important defensive player, and then is is you know your third or fourth most important offensive player, um, and that's not amazing, but it, it's very valuable. And I think that just the fact of scarcity of of these bigs who can actually maintain their value into high leverage situations, um, I think that's really in in Onyeka's favor. And if you're just that perfect team that re- that really has the the creators to get to a championship level in place. And you need that big man who's going to enable you in late game situations. Uh, then Onyeka is highly valuable and was able to work his way into this tier for me. Uh, but definitely a tough inclusion. Whereas I feel much more confident with with the other three guys in this tier. This is such, this is such a small tier for me. I'll just, yeah. I'll just say it's a Koro Maxi and Vassell and a Kongwu. Um, so yeah, yeah I, yeah, I I think that Onyeka is is the the lowest impact of these guys it from just like a mathematical standpoint but um worthwhile as worthwhile as these other guys from it from a team building standpoint yeah i have onyeka at the top of my third tier uh my my tier 3a um just because again like i certainly considered him and like have considered have long considered him as as a member of this tier just being a big man who i think is like ultimately not special like i just have a had a hard time really including him um in this tier with the wings and like the really high level complimentary guard, I think. Um, so, but I, but I certainly understand the inclusion of him and it was, it, it was definitely tough. I, I just view him as like less of an elite complimentary piece. Cause I, yeah, I mean, like you said, if I think if he's like anything above like your third best player, unless you have like LeBron or someone, um, someone of that ilk, I think it's tough um, to really win with him, but certainly like, like, like has scarce skills and is incredibly useful to a great team. And like, like, like again, like, like I said, my tiers are more fluid. So like if, if you took Onyeka above someone in my second tier, like, you know, Poku, I certainly would understand um, if, if you're, if you need that coverage for a little big man. Yeah. I think I've, I've just gone, gotten to a point where I'm really a lot higher than most on this, on this idea of coverage versatility and big men mattering a ton from a team building standpoint. And like, I don't think most teams should take Onyeka Kongu this high necessarily. Um, unless you have nothing and you're like, we're okay, I'm just punting on, on trying to get that sort of star player this year. Uh, and I'm just going to load up for next year. Um, but if you're, if you're a team that's like in pretty, in a pretty good spot and has like some flawed, but good creators, uh, I don't love the idea of taking Onyeka, but if you've got, if you've got that, you know, that perfect guy in place already, I, I think it makes a ton of sense um, because I do, I do think there's yeah. a really serious ceiling. Which is a hard thing, because especially, you know, with this draft, they're in, in Onyeka's range. There's like, aren't a lot of teams that really fit that. I mean, no, there aren't. That Yeah, it's, you're, you're probably looking at a trade-up uh, to get yeah. that sort of situation. Because there aren't a lot of those situations. There aren't a lot of situations uh, of a team that, that is in desperate need of that high-leverage big man that is otherwise well equipped to uh to play at the highest levels um, yeah there aren't that many of those teams yeah all right so we move on to our next tiers sure just one more thing on on that tier 
Uh, just, I, I think it's a particularly uh, useful example of how, uh, like, variability within the tiers works. That, like, I ha so I have both Vassell and Okoro in this tier. I've got Okoro fourth and Vassell sixth. Um, but it's going to vary wildly based on team and what you want to get out of that player. If you're yeah. looking for more of an on-ball stopper, uh, two to four, we'll say, then without a doubt, your your option is a Koro, especially if you're looking for, for a guy that you're going to involve in these downhill attacking situations. If you need a guy who brings a lot of rim pressure and brings uh, a lot of foul drawing ability, you're absolutely going to want a Koro. But if you're looking for a guy to spot up and you're looking for a, for a guy whose defensive value comes primarily as a team defender and not decidedly not a wing stopper, uh, do not draft Evan Vassell if you want a wing stopper. Uh, Vassell is going to be your option. So it's going to vary a lot based on what you want as a team and what you're trying to do as a team. Uh, and that's kind of the point of the tier system. Yeah, absolutely. That's the value of tiers. I mean, again, like I have Vassell third and like a Coral fourth or, in, or a Coral fifth or something in, in the same tier. But again, again, like those are totally interchangeable based on team and based on based, just based on what kind of player you're looking for. Because they're, you know, I think both of them have a case for, you know, being better than the other one, but they present different different skill sets and different strengths and different weaknesses that, you know, different teams need can can compensate for. All right, what's your third tier, Ben? So this is where I have a three A and a three B because it's it's a bigger tier that I didn't think was uh, a, a difference enough to split up like into a whole new tier, but I definitely made a delineation halfway through. So three A is my like good complimentary bets not not elite complimentary players like the ones uh, we outlined but good complimentary players like like i talked about my view of onyeka or somebody like cole anthony who i think so what ranks on your board does this spin oh um this ranks from eight to um 22 oh wow but but yeah. there's a division within that yes the, yes there's a division okay where's the division there's a division um at uh 13 so eight to thirteen and fourteen to twenty-two are the, the two like tiers within the tier. That yeah, that's very similar to what I have. Y yeah. So, but like I just didn't see enough of a gap to to make a whole new tier. Um, but I definitely could see it. Yeah, like, the good complimentary bets, like the, the guys I really trust. Um, we talked about the versatile complimentary, you know, guards and forwards, like and Danny Patwell, Cole, and then Onyeka at the top, who was again like very undecided about whether this tier or the, or, or the above one. So that's my tier three A. Uh, those like strong complimentary bets who uh, require that that con that necessary context more than the complimentary the elite complimentary bets above them to really succeed. Like, like Cole Anthony, who's going to require playing next to a bigger creator and being allowed to focus on, you know, pull up gravity, um, not being relied on to create with his lack of burst in the intermediate game, but who could really succeed in a specific context. And then my, my tier three B, which is like I said, 14 through 20 are these kind of more floor, some of these like lower value to me, more floor raising complimentary bets, like your Obi top and James Wiseman types. Um, and then like some more like swingy upside, like Bomaro and Isaiah Joe, um, as you know, again, like some com complimentary, but I think have the upside to kind of outpace this tier, but also definitely have the downside to, you know, not be there. You know, if, if Joe can't add the necessary strength to survive uh, in the NBA and make the most of the skills, if Bomaro doesn't develop any real, you know, offensive firepower. So that's kind of like the 3B part of this tier, which is 14 to 22 um, on my board. 
Yeah, so my 2A is very good, but flawed complementary talents, and my 2B is prohibitively flawed, but situationally very valuable complementary talents. Uh, so the 2A runs from 8 to 13, 2B from 14 to 21. Um, 2A, uh, I'll start with, which again is very good, but flawed complementary talents. Uh, high end, I think they're context dependent plus starters, and I would comfortably take them in the back half of the lotto. Um, so I, I view these guys as, as they're all put in, put in a very good situation, highly valuable, but have some pretty damning flaws. So it's like Patrick Williams, his, his lateral mobility is not yeah. good. Yeah. Um, Cole Anthony lacks bursts and his decision-making is, is really questionable. And he's a small guard, RJ defense, decision-making, uh, currently finishing shooting, um, Kyra finishing, uh, and, and strength, you know, Denny shooting creation ability. Um, you know, all these guys and Poku is in there as well for me. And, and, um, you know, he has his, uh, uh, consistency of technique and, uh, engagement level and, and, um, you know, I mean, efficiency as a shooter and strength and all, all of these issues that these guys put, put in optimal situations, I think could really return a lot of value and be really nice ceiling raisers for a team. Uh, but they have to be put in those situations and they're always going to have constraints on them that I don't view any of these guys as um, real franchise changers, though they're, they are worthwhile team building pieces um, and, and ones that, that, that I do like quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but then how about you? Yeah. I mean, then, like I said, um, I mean, we, we should go with your like second part of that tier before. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My, my two B, my two B are prohibitively flawed, but situationally very valuable complementary talents. Um, so I think that like, these are guys who perfectly optimized could, could rival or maybe even exceed um, some of the two a guys in value, but they're, I think a little harder to optimize uh, and we'll just be faced with situations where they can't really play. Um, and so that's kind of the, the idea is the high end that they're context dependent plus starters, but they're unable to play in some situations. So, you know, I, I think pretty obviously that someone like James Wiseman that I think James Wiseman in, in regular season minutes, just playing a drop, could be a pretty valuable player, like a, like an, a nice above average starting center who, who plays 30 minutes a game and, and impacts the game as, as a, at a solid level as, as a rim runner and as a rim protector. Um, but it's just, you know, it's going to come to situations where you can't be playing a drop. Like if you don't, first, if you don't have guard defenders who are fighting over screens well enough, if you're just playing against a nuclear um, pull-up shooter, like there are going to be situations where James Wiseman just can't play. Uh, you know, this is where I have Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin, um, all of these guys, I think, um, they're going to run into situations where it's just not going to be viable to play that, play them, even though in, in these perfect contexts that you can construct around them, they do return a lot of value. Uh, but I'd be comfortable taking these guys in that 10 to 20 range. Um, not huge investments. Uh, I get a little queasy about taking on those, those team building constraints, but, uh, you know, they can return value. All right, so my fourth tier. Well, let's let's get into that. Um, I have my fourth tier is from twenty one to thirty four, and it's uh, solid average rotation bets um, slash potentially high leverage specialists. Um, so, so we have you know at the top like your Desmond Bain um, types, Malachi Flynn, who could be really useful uh, rotation players. Um, you know, with just awesome skills, but lack I think the ceiling to be really you know, your two, two, three, even four best starters um, on a high leverage team. 
And then, you know, towards like the bottom or later this year, you know, I, I have someone like, you know, prospects like Aaron Neesmith, who I think of more as like a specialist um, who, you know, struggles in a lot of areas. But the one, you know, the height plus movement shooting is is, is incredibly valuable. And if it's correct, it's di- difficult to optimize, requires a lot of effort to optimize. But if it's optimized, could exceed the value of, of some of the guys higher in the tier, even in the tier above. So that, that that's what this tier is for me. Um, yeah, my next tier is strong rotational bets. So at the high end, they would be valuable rotation players, low end situational starters. And thinking like, you know, based on matchup, this might be a guy that slides into your starting lineup. Um, I'd spend a late first on these guys. Um, Desmond Bain, Malachi Flynn, that type of guy where, where they're, I, I feel confident in them. They're very good players. I think they're NBA guys, but not not franchise changers not not a guy that i'm absolutely setting my heart on getting um you know would, would be nice to have them they're they're solid players uh but th- this is this is where the end of the the first round guys to me uh comes and that, that's at 26 with killian tilly is, is the last guy in this tier for me so um yeah i think that the talent does kind of run out with uh, in terms of clear first round guys to me um not not wild about taking a lot more guys in in that first round yeah. for for most teams I didn't really delineate like clear first rounders but i think it would also run around run out around like Jaden mcdaniels or someone like that for me like mm-hmm. again like like in the late first like like even like the back end of these guys like 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 naji or cassius winston who like i'm not like crazy excited about but in the right situation like for the Lakers, I can see someone like Cassius Winston being incredibly useful. Um, and then, you know, for, you know, for like uh, a team that needs a mobility-based big, could, could see Najee being incredibly useful. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of where I fall in terms of like the first-round talent. It's like, yes, I'm like crazy enthusiastic about taking someone like that in the first, but for a team that has, you know, the need and, and the context in place to, to, to optimize them, I think it's okay. Yeah, so, so the difference there for me is that, that tier, that tier three, the strong rotational bets are guys I would definitely take in the first. Okay, so yeah. Um, just... Whereas my my next tier is going to be guys I would I'd prefer to take in the early second, but in that optimal context, I, okay, would, yeah. I would. I just didn't split that up, but yeah, yeah, it's split for me. All right, should we call this part two? Yeah. Um. So this is part two of our final little board discussion. Uh. Thank you all for listening. As always. Uh. Again, we'll we'll plug that our 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 live broadcast on Twitch on draft night. Um. Going to be lots of this and more discussion. Uh. Our, our final boards will be attached somewhere and live by the time you're listening to this, or if not soon after. Um. With that. Um. Make sure to follow the pod at Prep Number Two Pro Pod on Twitter. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And with that, we'll see you all next time.